Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. baby welcome in it is a monday edition of new york new york with yours truly jj johnson stremsky and first first off hope everybody enjoyed their weekend got a lot of sun feeling the glow and for the met fan that complains that we never start the show with the mets not only are we going to start the show with the mets today i am my pal he was with us throughout all the rangers stuff and he's doing geico sports night with me in about i don't know 40 to 45 minutes CeeLo, Chris LaPresti, you've been a busy man these days. You're doing Yank postgame. You're all over the place. What's up, buddy? Good. How are we doing, man? I'm great. Unit hog, you would say? That's uh, the, yeah, uh, we, yeah. we have turned into the ultimate unit hog. Yes. Who are we kidding? Between we're, you and me, my goodness. Listen, work ethic. We're grinders. Do what we got to do. We like to work. I think that's what it boils down to. Yes, well, we like to put money in our wallet. Yes, we want to see that bank account grow. You have children at home. Yes. You have mouths to feed. But I like to work. I like doing my podcast. I'm doing gambling stuff. I'm doing Jeter stuff. I got New York. I got television. How could I say no? Um, if I might correct you, it's not work, though. It's, eh, we're, talk, we're talking I, sports. Yeah, let's it's be not honest. work. Yeah, yeah right. it's a loose term. Yeah. Loose term. I want to start Mets here. Yeah. This was a big game for them today. I don't know if you felt this I way. did, absolutely. They lose the first two games of this series. Their offense is absolutely stunk. I hated Buck not hitting McNeil yesterday. I don't care how bad he's been. And they fall behind in this game. And the Met lineup is doing nothing. See, well, maybe it's because I had a couple of units invested <laughs> in the Mets. That like always every helps. Every which way, yeah. FanDuel gave us something. A couple other folks gave us something. So I was in on the Mets big today. When they down one nothing in this game, and they left second and third with nobody out, and they don't score, I'm saying, by golly, if they don't win this game, 
they are going to be hurting going into the Subway Series and missing a golden opportunity to gain a game on the Braves. Well, Pete Alonso picked a good time to hit a massive you home run kidding, that they needed really in the worst way. And not only just to win the game, and I know it got a little, little ugly in the last inning with Joely Rodriguez, but from an offensive standpoint, it's not like they won a low-scoring game, right? They, they put up some runs. The offense performed a little bit better after Alonzo hit the home run. So that gives you, I'm not going to say added confidence, because I don't feel like they're lacking confidence. They're going through a struggle right now offensively, and that's why, as you look ahead to the trade deadline, everyone wants to talk about what they need to add bat-wise to give the lineup a bit of a jolt. But to avoid the sweep, to put some runs on the board and quiet some of that narrative as you head into an off day, when you know there's going to be a lot of storylines and drama and press and media with the Yankees coming it's a good win, and you check that one off and you move on. How did they pitch to Alonzo? I mean, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm very happy about it. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. not complaining. I know that this second and third, nobody out, and you're afraid of a big inning. The, the only guy who can beat you from a power standpoint right now is Alonzo. That's the only guy in the Met lineup. When I think about somebody who's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark and go and wreck a game, I know Musgrove's confident. I know the Padres won the first two games of the series. You can't pitch to Alonso there. No yeah, way. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I won't say a bit of a lack of respect, but like you said, the Padres feeling like, oh, we're in good shape here. And we came in, we won, won the first couple of games. We've got the lead. This Met offense hasn't shown us a lot. And, you know, Alonso hasn't exactly been ripping the cover off the ball either. Not that that's a reason to you know, allow him a chance to hit a big home run and get back into the game because the guys after him haven't been hitting either. So, yeah, curious little bit of a head scratcher and thankfully for the Mets it worked out so the Mets get ready for the subway series where the lineup is reeling they need a bullpen arm then you have the Yankees who win two out of three Judge is playing like a man possessed next to Cortez what can you say about he gave you what you wanted you from needed Garrett that. Cole That's on Saturday point. and Cole listen I'm gonna get maybe I'm getting soft in my older age too well they pushed him. Like, that was a game. Well, he pushed because he knew because he, he knew that in. they needed it. Yeah. 100%. And it was the sort of game to me with Cole where if you have a loaded bullpen, there is no way in the world he's seeing the seventh Absolutely. inning. Because you and I, we, we took that sucker boost they put up on FanDuel. <laughs> was a loser. Never had a prayer. Uh, Judge, what was it? Hitting it well, RBI? did have a prayer because Judge gets a hit his first at bat. And we're like, okay, here we go. Let's have Cole do his thing. But and then he never did. Strikeouts and he didn't right. Well, close. well, we got the first part right out of the gate. Granted, the easier part. And then, yeah, Cole never sniffed it. But it was one of those games with Garrett Cole where you could kind of tell within like the first three or four innings oh, yeah. that he didn't have it. No, especially the first two innings. it was kind of a miracle innings. in many ways that he got through six with two runs. Yeah. And had both of those guys 0-2 in the seventh inning. He just made terrible pitches. He terrible did. The pitches. fastball looked good. He was still hitting triple digits. One that just missed off the outside corner. She had good command with the fastball. Both of the hits he gave up were on the breaking ball. And like you said, not great pitches with two strikes, too much plate. So, look, I, I I give him credit and I applaud the fact that he recognized the situation and tried to bulldog his way through it. And it just backfired a little bit. Whereas with Cortez on Sunday, he had it from the start. And he, I think there was one inning where they had more than one base runner. And that was the inning where Glaber drops the ball on left field when they went to four outfielders. So he was locked in. And it was a good performance from him. You know, you never know about these guys coming back from the All-Star break, a couple extra days off, especially Cole and Cortez, who went to L.A. It is a throw off their, their rhythm or their program at all. So for Cortez to pitch as well as he did in a game that the Yankees needed as well, if we're being honest, looking at the standings and what the Astros are doing right now, that was huge. Good win. You take two out of three against an Oriole team that's been better than expected. This King injury, though, is problematic. And Massive. the good news for the Yankees, too, well, 
is that Cashman historically has done a brilliant job of finding relievers. Clay Holmes last year, Wandy Peralta last year. Yeah. You go back the likes of Proctor and Sturtz and the Jabba Chamberlain out of the minor leagues. The Yankees have always been very good, in my opinion, in that department when it comes to finding a reliever. Well, they're going to have to do that now. You want to tell me Clark Schmidt steps up great? You want to tell me Loisaga straightens it out? I'm not counting on Chapman. No. I mean, the idea that you can count on Chapman for anything right now is outrageous. But they now can add reliever, I think, to the laundry list between now and the deadline. And if what Billy Epler from the Mets side said the other day is true when they traded for Vogelbach, and he said, well, we feel like the reliever market's going to be robust and it's going to be easier to get our hands on that type of guy. So that's if that's true, that's good news for both of the local teams because they both have a need in the bullpen. Um, I'm curious. What's I, I agree you can't trust Chapman right now, but I understand why the Yankees are going to continue to give him opportunities to try and get him right. Same with Loisaga. But yeah, some of these younger guys like Marinaccio coming back, um, if Clark Schmidt gets an opportunity, I'm not saying that he's going to step in and be Michael King. His stuff's good in the, though, Sewell. It is. It's good. It's good. The stuff, most of these guys have great arms and good stuff. It's a question of can they command it consistently. And like even, you know, Clark Schmidt gives him the three innings to close it out on Sunday, but there were a couple of walks. There were a couple of breaking balls that he hung a little bit. Now it didn't bite him. So I think right now, He's a guy that at minimum can be sort of your, I don't even want to say a long man, but a guy that can give you multiple innings on any given day. If a starter only goes five or six, which they need right now. I mean, you can't you can't be rolling the same guys out there time and time again. You can't be having Clay Holmes come in and get five out saves left and right, or else he's going to be gassed by the time you get to October. So, I mean, the relief, the, the bullpen stuff is so key, even, even without the injuries. And they've had a number of them now. King. We forgot Chad Green's gone Severino, already. Severino, rotation, that's, yeah, sure. from a pitching standpoint, even a guy like Luis Heel probably could have given you a little bit of a jolt. So they're kind of going down the jet, the depth chart right now. So yeah, I'm curious who Cashman lands on. And I, as I look at the market, and it's it's sort of an obvious name for I think would work great for both New York teams. And I'm curious if either can get their hands on him. That would be David Robertson. Robertson's a no brainer because yeah. he's pitched in big games. He's pitched in this market. He's handled the postseason. I would have said a week ago. Robertson for the Mets is a slam dunk yeah. in the Yankees. Eh, not necessarily a fit. Now both teams have got to be saying, hey, this is somebody we want. But I think a guy like Robertson as opposed to like Bednar, yeah. who, you know, Robertson's a free agent at the end of the year. He's an older guy. I don't think the Cubs are going to be looking for as much as what the Pirates are going to be looking for for a guy like Bednar who's got a couple of years of control. Yeah, the only thing with Robertson is if all of a sudden – You've got multiple, like if the Yankees and the Mets, you know, they they both hone in. about that price a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it could happen quick. And I thought for the Mets, maybe even like a package deal where they try to get Robertson and Wilson Contreras because they need some help catcher-wise as well. I don't know if Chicago's Think looking about to that. move like him. Robertson, Contreras from a Mets standpoint. Robertson, hat from a Yankees yeah, standpoint. absolutely. Although I'm loving this report that they're in on Benintendi. And I don't even care about the vaccination I'm stuff. with you 100% series, on that. Yes. And you know what? Maybe you convince them. By the time you hit the end of the year, hey, get the shots so that way you can play in a division yeah. series. He helps them so much. And not only that, Sula, if they get Ben and Tendi, then all of a sudden Carpenter can work his way into that Donaldson mix where, hey, you put pressure on Donaldson. We say, all right, big boy, you're not hitting right now. You're not in the lineup against right-handed pitch. Yeah, I like I like the Ben and Tendi idea. I don't worry. My, honestly, my first reaction, whatever it was, a week or two ago when the vaccination thing came out and the report was, well, the Yankees aren't going to be interested now. I didn't buy that for a second. To me, that smelled of, okay, well, that's a that's an angle we can play to maybe drive the price down on that player. Um, so I think that's the kind of thing where if you can get him, you bring him in and you worry about that later. Uh, I had somebody say to me the other day, well, he's not really 
It's not really the style of player the Yankees go for right now. What I kind want, of bullshit answer I, is that? I want, I want variety, meaning like, you know. No, it, because what? They want every guy to be like exactly. batting average, yes. high on base right. power. How did that work out with Joey Gallup? Take that narrative and shut it, I totally man. agree. Holy smokes. I totally agree, and that was the exact reaction I had. Maybe not as emotional as that's yours, fine. but, you know, I'm usually, I usually have more of a measured take. But, yeah, yeah so that's the, that's the, yeah, that's the exact reason I want the guy here because he gives you a different feel, more of like a DJ LeMayu vibe, but from the left side. And I think that's something that the Yankees need, especially come October when you're going to be facing the better pitching staffs. We've seen the offense go to sleep in the postseason time and time again where they're waiting on the big blow and it doesn't come as easily in October as it does in the regular season, as you know. Are you a big Subway Series guy? Yes or no? Of course. Absolutely. I am too. Now, my critique, and I'll never do this because of the gate, I wish they played one series, right, the three, three games, games yeah. alternate home and home. They're never going to do it because I understand. City Field's going to be packed Tuesday, Wednesday. When they play at Yankee Stadium in a couple weeks, it's going to be packed. But I think that would kind of spice it up. And look, Last year, for the first time in a long time, now maybe it was the backdrop of September the 11th. Maybe it was the idea of both teams trying to just hang on in the playoff race. That series in City Phil last year, that Saturday and that Sunday, those games are a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I expect this would be the same because, you know, a couple of weeks ago would have been, okay, well, it'll be fun, but the Yankees have the big cushion. The Mets are in good shape. Now, all of a sudden, they've got teams on their heels. For the Mets, it's well, the, the Braves. Braves and the Yankees, for the Yankees, the it's the Astros. Brilliant. So, I think that sense of urgency right now, and you tie that in with the fact that there's always an excitement when the two teams get together. I get it more from a fan standpoint, probably than the players, but I'm sure some of the players feed off the excitement from the crowd. I mean, look, you usually get good crowds in New York when you're playing well. So it's not like either team hasn't been playing in front of good crowds throughout the most course of the season, but it's always fun when they get together and, and where they are in the standings and some of the challenges that are facing them here, both in the short term and the long term to get through the rest of the season, I think adds an extra layer of interest to it. I think this series sets up well for the Mets. They're getting Herman against Scherzer. By the on way, Wednesday. I'm not convinced about that yet. Because, so what you think you're going to get Tyone? Well, I don't, but what I what I mean by this is Herman made the start in game the game two at the doubleheader against the Astros. And when Boone spoke post game, they asked him, "Well, is he going to stay in the rotation? Is he going to get another turn?" And he didn't commit to it because they've got the day off Monday. So, so Montgomery's a, going Tuesday. That's obvious. Yeah, I mean, but Wednesday the only guy that can go with is Tyone. Yeah. you can't pitch Cole there. No, no. I just they're I'm not, not going to break call on I'm short not rest for a subway. No, I game. agree with that. I'm just not convinced that they're going to go back to Herman. Now I will say this: it's sort of like pick your poison I was right say, now. My own's been terrible. Yeah. So I'm not exactly jumping. My for only him my only either. point is they haven't like locked that in because I don't think they circled back with Boone on that yet. So I don't know that they've decided which way they're going to go. I mean, look, Herman gave you nothing to feel good about in that start against Houston. Different animal facing the Met lineup. So yeah, if you're if you're asking me to choose between the two. I'd probably pick Herman just because I'm curious to see if he looks any better second start back in the big leagues, whereas he did not look good against Houston. Tyone, I don't know what to think right now. He had a, he pitched real well against Boston going into the break, but look how bad the Red Sox have been. It's like I almost throw that out the window now. Do you realize the Red Sox have not beaten anyone not named the Yankees since July 4th? Well, they haven't won a series against I the NL East team. They got to sell. See, well, with the amount of free agents they have, Martinez, perfect trade chip for the Mets. I've been saying it for weeks. He fits the Mets so well. They need a power bat. They need a ribby bat. You put him in the middle of that Met order, right behind Alonzo. Holy moly, you're cooking with something there. Maybe get a bullpen on from Boston. 
And Boston could go and take a guy like Bogarts and trade him, I don't know, to the Padres or to another team. Actually, it would fit the Yankees really well, but we know that's <laughs> never going to happen. Boston, you mark my words, they're selling. They should not kid themselves. Toronto whooped them. The division has whooped them. If I'm running the Red Sox, I'm selling at the end of the month. And the injuries they've had. I mean, Evaldi's been in and out, and then he came back and got rocked in that blowout Friday night. Yeah, sales out. Devers just went on the I mean, they are just the walking wounded. But back from a Mets standpoint, Martinez is a great option. Um, but it's a nice depth chart, I think, for the Mets right now as far as guys they can hone in on for the righty bats. Martinez, Josh Bell, Mancini, Mancini even Brandon Drury to a lesser extent. Um, so there's some names that it's not like it's just one guy and if they don't get him, they're screwed. They have some options because that's an area where we know that they need to they need to improve. So I think the Mets have a really good team. I think they will absolutely be a playoff team. I think it remains to be seen if they're going to hold off the Atlanta Braves. I was a lot more confident in that a month ago than I am on this day, whatever it is, July the 25th, give or take. I think if they're going to be a championship team, though, Seawall, it's very simple. The Grom has to come back and be great. If you don't give me peak or 90% of what the Grom was, I don't think the Mets have enough to be a championship team right here and right now. No, and, that, and that's what it was built on. If we go back to spring training when they brought Scherzer in, it was that one-two punch, and you haven't seen it at all yet. So you give them credit for getting to this stage and playing as well as they did, you know, looking at the, the season as a whole. Right now, there's been some struggles offensively. But the other thing is, I feel like, you know, we're being critical of the Mets and the pressure is starting to amp up. Not that they, I mean, the, look, the offense definitely needs improvement, but they've still played well. It's just more a credit to how well, I mean, the Braves have been insane for what, two months now? I mean, the clip that they've been, I think the, I don't know if it's two full months, but they were playing at like 123 win pace. I mean, they have made up a lot of ground in a hurry, not so much because the Mets have been bad because Atlanta has been that good. So, yeah, I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on the Mets the rest of the way. And, yeah, when, once DeGrom comes back, and I, I almost understand and appreciate the fact that the Mets keep kind of pushing that further down the road because he's been a guy that's been good for about 15 starts. So if you start to kind of back time it and make sure he lasts into the postseason, you know, the further, the longer you can go here in the regular season and get away with it once that clock starts, not that it's going to necessarily, who knows, he could go, he could be shot after one start or he could be fine the rest of the way. Um, but if you hone in on, on that 15 start number, you can get into early August here. I think it gives you an opportunity to feel comfortable that he can be healthy into October. And then once you get there, I agree. He's got to perform the way that we know he's capable or else it's going to be real tough for the Mets. Final one, buddy. How geeked out have you been? No spoiler alerts. I know you have seen a couple of these Jeter episodes. The first two are out. You're a big Jeter guy. Yeah. Dude, is it like Yankee fan porn or what? It I mean, is. It's so fun. And, and I know some people say, well, I mean, how much new stuff are we? I, but I'm a, I am a sucker for little details, behind the scenes stuff, just little insights that maybe you haven't picked up along the way. So I'm, I'm always going to watch this stuff. Like it, it is right up my alley. But what I like about this so far, and, you know, we always kind of got this feel with Jeter a little bit. He was buttoned up. He didn't show you much. So you're getting a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, but you're finding out you know, tough, tough dude to deal with at times sometimes where like, you know, you cross him once and oh, you, so. you get on that list. You are That's not, why we you give are out not the coming Michael off Cruel that Award list. after every episode. Oh we my goodness. Yeah. We gotta do it. So I appreciate the fact that he's at least letting that show and he's talked about how he's got trust issues and, you know, he's, he's, he's been open about some things, um, but little details, not even that are necessarily Jeter related. I told you uh, off the air, my favorite thing so far um, Joe Torre talking about the 98 ALCS where they're down two games to one to the Indians. They're in Cleveland morning of or late, late morning, early afternoon, getting ready for game four. 
and they go downstairs in the hotel to get a or to have something to eat. And there's a coffee shop in the hotel that's understaffed. And Tori looks over and who's helping them, you know, wait tables and serve coffee. It's El Duque, El Duque who's starting the game that night. And so Tori tells Steinbrenner, oh, well, don't worry, El Duque is not nervous. And they go out, they shut out the Indians, and they never lose a game in the rest of the series. I love little stuff like that. So it's a Jeter documentary, but getting some of these little insights into the Yankee teams of that era that I didn't know before has been enjoyable. Buddy, can't get enough. Good having you back. It's fun mixing it up. I mean, you're like a Ranger guy throughout the postseason yeah. run. And now this is like the first show we've done in forever, by the way. It it's feels the like first show we've done since the Rangers got eliminated. I no, think. no, no, not on New York, New York. I'm just saying television. Oh, seeing you. yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah, couple I was weeks. away a week. You know, you're you're a rock star, so you're in here a lot. Mine are, you know, I come and I go you here. Hear and more there. than you think. I mean, no, I'm not. Sure I'm not complaining. You know, I'm I'm filling the holes when when offered. I try to always say yes. So yeah, good, good to be here. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Buddy, I'll see you on set. All right, sounds Hopefully good. Hopefully the makeup's all right. I'm not smudged. Yours is good. I don't have any on, so I'll have to hey, go you're figure that better out. better off. I always <laughs> screw it up. That's a great Chris Lepresti, my buddy. Getting you ready for the Subway Series. We'll bring in the Torture Meth fan. He's got a birthday coming up right here. The great Sean Fantasy. Loaded show. I told you guys. Loaded show. We're coming right back. So, as we get ready for the Subway Series, I thought it was the perfect time to welcome in the long-suffering Meth fan, the birthday boy. I, I love that I find out through the pod father through our great boss, Bill Simmons, that Sean Fantasy has a birthday. I'm sorry that I have to be a part of your birthday week. I, I apologize in advance. What's up, buddy? I'm delighted. I'm delighted to see you. Uh, I am turning 40 years old this week and uh, we're making content out of it, you know, just making content out of everything in our lives these days. So uh, I'm happy to be here with you, though. You're not spoiling anything. 40, by the way. Is that, let me ask you a question. Is a guy who turned 34 plus years ago? Mm hmm. I found 29 to be way scarier than 30. Did you find 39 to be scarier than the 40th birthday coming up or not at all? When I turned 39, my daughter had just turned two weeks old. So that was a significantly scarier period of my life than right now. Right now is fine. Everything's, you know, smooth. The Mets are in first place. You know, my daughter's healthy and we're living well. I'm, I'm good. Well, the Mets are in first place. They got a much needed Sunday win. But 24 hours ago, I texted you because I'm I'm in a I'm doing TV at SNY. Mets had an opportunity to win the game late. Buck doesn't send up Jeff McNeil, and I, I said, let me check in on fantasy. Let me see how he's doing. So I quoted Francesa, and I didn't even spell I didn't even spell it properly. I spelled it in Francesa terminology. I said, fantasy, are you worried? And you were worried. So 24 hours later, that win was a much needed pick me up for you, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried insofar as the Braves are kicking everybody's ass in the league right now. Uh, I think the Mets are obviously a good team. I don't think anyone is convinced that they're a great team, especially since we have not seen DeGrom pitch yet. And their offense has just gone completely lifeless over the last 10 days. I think people forget, even though they were getting shut down by the Padres in the series before the All-Star break against the Cubs, they looked really bad. And they took oh, three fantasy or four. Oh, was a miracle they, they won three out of four. Miracle. Yeah. Miracle. And so, so they've, it's, it's been about 10 days of lifelessness for them. And um, in general, since June 1st, they just have not hit very well relative to how they hit in May. So I am concerned. I think they probably have more work to do than we thought they did at the deadline in terms of a bat. And I'm just mystified by why they dealt Colin Holderman. That's a whole other conversation. So I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit betwixt and between with the team right now. I don't totally understand where they're going. That said, eight runs. They beat up Musgrove tonight. I don't have too much to complain about. Well, explain this to me. How do you pitch to Alonzo with a base open there? That 
That was bizarre. I mean, how do you and listen, I'm not complaining. I had money on the Mets tonight, fantasy. So I needed that home run. I had him basically every which way today. Alonzo's the one guy in this lineup currently who can hit for power. He's like, if there's one guy I'm not letting beat me, it's Pete Alonzo there. So if I'm the Mets, I'm like, thank you. Please give me Paul ahead. Please. It's really funny, though, because we've seen this. You've seen this over and over again with Judge this year, too. How many times has Judge come up in the eighth or ninth inning of games? And it's just like, why are you throwing him strikes? It's the same thing with Pete. He's the only guy who's been consistent all season. He's the only guy who's been dependable. It was mystifying that they pitched to him, especially because McNeil has been in a terrible funk lately. So. The idea that you're not throwing to him and Vogelbach is a kind of an unknown quantity on this team. I thought it was a very odd choice, but hey, I'm thrilled it happened because Pete is just, he's delightful. <laughs> he's easily the most enjoyable Met in the last 10 years. It's crazy. Oh, it's got to be. And, you know, you think about it, fantasy, historically speaking, the Mets have always been a franchise where the pitching has kind of stolen the show, whether it was Dr. K or whether it's Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman or... You know, you even think about their last run of the World Series. It's Harvey. It's it's Syndergaard. It, it, it's Mats. It's DeGrom. It's all of these arms. So when you think about great Met position players, like especially guys who were there from start to finish, like, yeah, they added Beltran. They added Delgado. They get Gary Carter from the Montreal Expos and Keith from the St. Louis Cardinals. But I said this on a pod about three or four weeks ago, and I stand by it. If Alonzo can do this, for close to the next six to eight years. Fantasy, we got a chance to be talking about the best Met position player, homegrown-wise, that they've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it it should have been David Wright, and if David Wright doesn't get or hurt... And he gets, for that matter, for different reasons. Yeah, and both guys lost anywhere between four and eight to ten years on their Mets life, which is disappointing. But And Pete is a, is a slugger, and he's not a four-average hitter. So I don't know how he's going to age. He's, he's essentially in his prime right now. And he is really impressive as a power hitter. I don't know if he's going to be the kind of guy who can hit into his mid to late 30s. But he's already climbing up the leaderboard of every major offensive category for the team because the team just has such a weak history. They flashed a stat during the ESPN broadcast today that the last time a Met hitter led the league in RBIs was Hojo in 1991. That's 31 years ago. So this is, it's just never been an offensively-minded club. That's crazy to think about, and it's even crazy to think about the fact that the Mets have never had an MVP before. I know. It's really depressing. I mean, they've had a bunch <laughs> of Cy Youngs. They've had Rookie of the Years, and they've had guys flirt with the award, obviously. Um, I don't know if Alonzo is going to be able to do enough this year to win it, just because th- th- there's too many good candidates in the National League, and Goldschmidt doing what he's doing with the Cardinals kind of puts him behind the eight ball. But listen, absolute stud. You need more guys like him within the lineup. I want you to live in fantasy land outside of Juan Soto. Okay, outside of Juan Soto. He's I not coming. I don't, he's not coming right to New York. On July the 25th, he can have one hitter to add to the lineup. And you can't tell me, Soto, who is the guy realistically you want? I don't know how realistic it is, but I want J.D. Martinez. That's yeah. the guy. I See, I think it's very realistic. I know that they're uh, fantasy. The Red Sox are dead. That team is cooked. They they have a bunch of guys who are free agents. Sale is not coming back, and you can't really kid yourself. Like I know the playoff format is expanded, and six teams get in. Sale's not coming back. They haven't won a series within the division. Like if I ran the team, we're selling in the next couple of weeks. So I think Martinez is very realistic, dude. I think it's more likely that it's a a Josh Bell or Mancini type. That's what everyone has been saying for weeks and weeks. 
I I think they need a more impactful hitter, honestly. And Bell is having a great year and is a is a quality hitter, but someone who is feared is something that I feel like they're missing at the moment. And it's partially it's just because a couple of guys this season have just not played well. Eduardo Escobar has been. I thought very he was going to be a good player for you guys, he's, and he's he still may have bad. a moment or two. So I'm not totally yeah. giving up on him. I thought he'd be better. I agree he's with been, you there. He's been really bad this year, and uh, JD obviously is maybe not a major league hitter at this point. And Dom, I don't think will ever be back with Vogelbach getting acquired. And so, I mean, they're they're running. Tomas Nito has got like a 500 OPS right now, and he's playing every day. I mean, it's a it's a brutal time right now in that lineup seven eight nine. So they have to add at least one more bat. Honestly, if they added two, I'd be happy because it's it's a little bit strange that they refuse to let McNeil play left and Canna DH and then, you know, essentially strengthen the lineup every day. They've chosen not to do that. And so we're seeing guys hitting, you know, it's just it's been painful to watch the some of the players who've been running out in the lineup lately. The good news for you with this ownership group, you're going to add a batter two, you're going to add bullpen arms and you're going to be a much better team in about two weeks than what you are currently today. But you know this and I know this. If they're going to go deep in the playoffs this year and they're going to have a serious chance to win a World Series, to me, fantasy is very simple. It comes down to one thing and one thing only. Is the Grom going to be the Grom? So I say to you, confidence meter, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. <laughs> but yeah, with Jake. Uh, I would have said eight, six days ago. But when he had shoulder soreness and they pushed back the next rehab start slash bullpen session, I got a little nervous. So I'm really at a five at the moment, which is terrifying because he was the most dependable Mets pitcher for years and years. And now I'm not sure what to expect. I will say this might seem ridiculous given how important DeGrom has been to this team in the last five years. Even without DeGrom, this rotation has been unbelievable. I think it's actually Bassett over his last six to eight starts has really stepped up. Bassett really has, has been dynamite ever since basically he had that game where he gave up seven runs and he was really beating himself up in the locker room and was really depressed. He's totally rebuilt his, himself. Walker has been fantastic. Carrasco is is the weakest guy in their rotation at the moment if Peterson's coming out. And even Carrasco, I mean, he, it was kind of a uh, kind of a mess tonight, but he didn't give up any runs against Pods. So, and Scherzer is Scherzer. Like you can, he is as advertised. Obviously, he missed seven starts this season, but aside from that, he's just a bulldog. So. If worst case scenario, you're going into the playoffs with Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, and Taiwan Walker, is that bad? Is that really that no, much worse than Max Freed bad. and Spencer I actually Strider? Think it's pretty solid, but it doesn't have the same wow factor yeah. than it would if Degrom is a part of that rotation. Well, let me Wait, ask you: You this. can fantasize fantasy about Degrom and Scherzer being, I don't know, Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson. I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say the for argument's sake. The Mets go out and get C.J. Cron and they get J.D. Martinez, but Jake doesn't pitch at one game this whole year. Are they still a World Series contender? Favorite? They can contend. I would not put my money on them to win the World Series or get there. That's okay. just my personal take. You might. I would not. Yeah, I don't know. My big concern long-term with them is just they're obviously a team that was designed not to be a power-driven team, and they run the risk of falling behind because they have no power in their life. Isn't that such like a double-edged sword? Because you're so right. Like, you want to put the ball in play to win in the month of October. Like, teams that strike out struggle. But you look at teams that have won the World Series the last couple of years. The Atlanta Braves hit a shit ton of home runs. Um, You think about the Dodgers two years ago. They hit home runs. Like, you need to hit for power because 
it's tough, dude. Stringing together three, four, five hits in an inning against really good pitching. Tough to do. You really want to balance. You want to be able to flip guys in and out of the lineup who can threaten power but don't necessarily need to live and die by it. I mean, it's challenging. You know, you're you're rooting for for Judge and Sand every day, and they're doing their job. They're doing the thing, and so they have the strongest offense in baseball right now. Whether that'll be the case in October, I don't really know. But it's not as if this Mets offense is proven in October because we've never seen it before. I have no idea what they're going to do. Are you a big Subway Series guy? As I've said to you before, I don't hate the Yankees because. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's like hating the 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 star quarterback or something. You know, it's sort of like, I what am I going to do? Like, I'll never be you. I can't. There's nothing I can do to kind of change the fact that you've got all these championships and that I'm the lowly stepbrother. So I look forward to it. And if the Mets win or take four out of six like they did last year, I love it. I have a great time. But if they get beat up, I'll, I'm just sort of expecting it, you know, and part of it is because I don't live in New York anymore. So I'm not going to the games. When I was See, going to the I games, the energy being is different. There really it it it, it heightens fantasy, the I dynamic know. where I'm walking around town, I got my Yankee shirt on, the Mets win the game, somebody's giving me shit. Whether it's somebody I know, whether it's somebody I don't know, that's fun. I almost wish they did one series, three games, and alternated every other year with the stadium. Because then you and they'll never do it because they're never giving up the gate for Yankee Too much Stadium money. and City yeah. Field. Yeah. Never gonna do it. But it would in many ways like spice it up where, hey, you have the Subway Series this year. It's like an event. You know what I mean? Yeah. And bragging rights would make more sense. You know, you'd more closely track what the results were from the previous year and say sort of like who is the king at the moment. That being said, I mean, how long has it been since we had two first place teams going up against each other? Like 2006, I thought we were going to get a Subway Series and I was scared shitless, dude, because I thought the Mets were better. And I still say to this day, if the Mets would have won in 2006 against the Cardinals, they would have waltzed to a World Series. Like, for you, that would bother me a lot more than 15, where I look at the Royals and I'm like, the Royals were better. They were in the World Series the year before. I know a lot of those games could have gone either way, but, like, the Royals, they had juju about them. That Cardinal team with 83 wins beat me in a Game 7 in my own building. That would haunt me, dude. Haunt me. Mets, Mets were leading after the seventh inning in four out of five of those games against the Royals, though. That's painful. Oh, that's, I know. That's painful. I that's know it is. I'm, it's going to be you hard know to get that over that. Royals team, it, it was just something about them, dude. Yeah, it they was were something about them. I was thinking about them again today, watching Eric Hosmer hit doubles. I'm like, you got to be fucking He loves me. killing the Mets. <laughs> My goodness, Mets. does he kill the Mets. <laughs> and he could have been a Met a couple of months ago. Just saying. I, I know. And, I, you know, when you look back on that almost trade, you see that they knew that they didn't have their DH situation figured out. That they needed, they needed to get off of Dom before the season. And they needed to figure out what to do with JD because they... They screwed that up in the offseason. They just they, the the Robinson Cano, JD Davis, Dom Smith plan was not a good plan. And now the offense is really in a tailspin in part because they didn't address that issue. Fantasy, I tell you right now, JD Martinez, David Robertson, you're a happy man. I'd be thrilled if if as long as DeGrom is back. Ah, that's a big caveat, my friend. How Listen. are you feeling? What do you feel like like are you nervous about this series? Are you excited? What how do you oh, feel about think the Yankees? Yankees are not set up well this series? They have probably Herman going on Wednesday, which is yeah. a disaster. Sure, against Scherzer. Scherzer. The Mets. Yeah. Um the the Yankee bullpen is not right with this injury to Michael King. But the Yankees, listen, they're coasting, they're rolling in the division. It's about the Astros. And to be honest with you, fantasy, it's about what they do with the deadline. Because they need a big arm, they need another bat. And now I think they need a bullpen arm. They got some work to do. Do you think there's any chance they take a run at Soto? Slim to none. Because I don't think they want to upset the apple carton rule. That's my personal take. I would Me do it. I wouldn't think twice. 
I, you know where you know where Soto's going to end up fantasy? St. Louis Cardinals. That's terrifying. That's what they do. Not now. I don't think they'll be able to do it now. I say off-season. in the offseason, yeah. Juan Soto is a St. Louis Cardinal. That's a move they make over and over and over again. Man, that's a hell of a lineup with Arenado and Goldschmidt. Oh, you ain't Scary. kidding, man. Scary. And they, they do a wonderful job of selling their players on St. Louis and the love affair with St. Louis. Watch them stay. Buddy, I'm so glad we did this. Thanks for staying up, even though it's not that late by you. <laughs> Happy birthday. And I got to know, this is my parting gift. This is my gift. Yeah. As you are rocking that mean mustache right now, yeah, can man. I pull it off come October? I'll be mustache bros with you if you want to. You know, just, I mean, just I'm let in. me know. Just I, let I me think know. I'm going to get booted out of my apartment, but you know what? I think it's worth it, Fantasy. This is more about me turning 40 and just trying something new. You don't have to do this to yourself. You know? Yeah, but this I do. Is- <laughs> Yankee solidarity, Fantasy solidarity, I'm in, bud. I'm in. All right, brother. Good to see you, man. Thank you. My pleasure. That's a great show on Fantasy. We'll wrap it up with some voicemails right after this. Fun start to the show. Um, fantasy is a Met fan that's in the minority. Because a majority of the Met fans in my life that I know very well detest the Yankees. And, like, I expect that to be the case. You live in New York. There's the dynamic. There's the back and forth. There's, you know, the the trash talk that goes on. Like, I'm in a weird position. I understand that. Because I'm a big Yankee guy, as you know, but I work in addition to our wonderful podcast here at The Ringer, I work at SNY. So for me, for the podcast, and for the television network I work for, it behooves me and business when the Mets are doing well. Whereas younger me would take way more satisfaction, like the Met teams collapsed in 2007, 2008. Yeah, when I had any Met fans give it to me in 2006. Yes, 21-year-old me gave it to the Mets fan. You better believe it. Now that's kind of evolved a little bit. I'd like to say we've matured a little bit. Now, if the Mets ever beat the Yankees in the World Series, that will definitely come out in me. But hey, I will get into the Subway Series. I'd prefer, like I said, three games, alternate side every other year. I think that'd be the perfect way to do it. But Tuesday's going to be rocking. City Field. Wednesday's going to be rocking. I hope we have the same intensity for those two games that we had for the Saturday-Sunday games in September last year. That was a whole lot of fun. And remember, Tuesday, we'll have a live, probably about 20 to 25 minutes after the game. Wednesday, we're doing a pod. We're changing our schedule a little bit this week. Tuesday, live, right after Yankees-Mets. Download the app. Wednesday, pod, wrapping up the Subway Series as a whole. Thursday, Jeter, episodes three and four. We'll combine it into one big mega episode, and we'll take it from there. So a lot of New York, New York content. And we're going to have the same game parlay right before I get to City Field, which you guys are going to enjoy. So there's a lot cooking. And I got all this ring of gambling shit going on. I don't, I, I literally, I don't stop. I mean, I literally don't stop. But that's a story for a different day. I'm a lunatic. I'm a madman. I, uh, I love doing what I do. So like for me, this is, this is, this is, I, I say it to people all the time. I go, I've never been more busy. And I say that in a good way because I love what I'm doing. I've never been more busy. It's good to be stimulated. That's why when you get a moment, like tomorrow morning on the golf course, you hope you play well. Because I don't have many opportunities to get out these days. I haven't even played my golf outing yet, for goodness sakes. 917-382-1151. That's the voicemail number. Get the voicemails in for after the Subway Series on Wednesday. Remember that. Wednesday after the Subway Series. Tuesday, we'll hop it on Spotify Live. All right, Steph, let's hear a few. 
JJ, it's Phil from Bedford. I've been calling about a trade for the Mets for weeks. I don't like that they've waited this long. The lead is, is pretty much gone. It's, it's down to half a game. The offense is a disaster. I mean, this is not anything new either. This has been going on since the beginning of June. They should have made a preemptive move. Now they got Vogelback. But you know what Vogelback is? Vogelback is what Mike Ehrmantraut in Breaking Bad used to say, a half measure. And there are no half measures. This is classic Sandy Alderson bullshit where he tries to put a Band-Aid over something that requires something more. It is time to go out and be a big market team and get a legitimate bet. Not saying they have to, you know, get J.D. Martinez, but it has to be more than Daniel Vogelback. Okay, the the Braves are the better team, and I, I listen. I think their lead is big enough that even if the Braves pass them, they'll hold on to a wild card. But if they have any chance at competing this year for a World Series or or for you know a pennant, they must get an impact bat. Enough of the half measure bullshit. This is a new regime. Be aggressive. Do something. They've already waited too long. Later. I understand that concern. I don't think Vogelback is going to be the only move you make. Now, I didn't love that trade. Holderman, to me, was pitching well. He was one of the few reliable guys it looked like you had in the bullpen, and he had promise. Now, Epler's confident they're going to get a couple of bullpen guys. I agree with him. I'm not going to totally roast them until I see what the finished product of this team is at the beginning of August. So, to me, I kind of think about where the Mets are at, and I say, all right, they need bullpen help. They need offensive help. They do not have enough power in this lineup. And Vogelback is is not the only bat you could bring into this team. you got to monitor what's going on with Martinez. Bell is intriguing. Mancini is intriguing. They got work to do between now and August 2nd. Whole lot of work to do. Okay, who's next? Hey, JJ. Sean in Belmar. Just trying not to lose my mind over the Juan Soto stuff. I, great job with, with Duquette on your last uh, pod. And... I just keep hearing people talk about the Yankees are unwilling to give up wholesale prospects and they're disciplined and they're cautious and they're guarded. And I'm just tired of hearing it. Give them whatever they want. They want Volpe. They want Peraza. They want Waldachuk. They want the Martian. They want Davey Garcia. Whatever they want, you give it to them. Juan Soto is A-Rod. Juan Soto is Miguel Cabrera. You can't be like, well, well, you can't include Volpe in the trade because he's from New Jersey. No, you've got to actually try to win. You've got to be like the Dodgers. When Mookie Betts is available, they say, what do you want? When Trey Turner is available, they say, give us Trey Turner. What do you want? When Max Scherzer is available, they say, give me Max Scherzer. What do you want? We might not even resign him, but we'll build up more prospects. We'll build up our system. That's how they broke their championship drought. Why are we clinging to prospects, half of which, more than half of which, are going to be Clint Frazier and Jesus Montero and Greg Bird and freaking Bam Bam Mullins and Mike Blowers? They're prospects. Juan Soto, barring injury, is a Hall of Famer. You yourself called him the best hitter in baseball. He's two years younger than Devers. He's seven years younger than Judge. Just go get him. All right, JJ. Thanks as always, man. Bye. Sean, listen. Soto's generational. If it's possible, yeah, you better be calm. And yeah, whatever it takes. There are intricacies, though, that make it complicated. And I think the intricacy of trading for Juan Soto, you're saying goodbye to Aaron Judge. Or you're not resigning Juan Soto into two and a half years. Because, listen, you could tell me, oh, the Yankees can afford it. They got $500 million payroll. They are not going to that extent. They have Cole for big money. They have Stanton. 
for decently big money. And if Aaron Judge is staying, and how can you not want Aaron Judge on this team? He's the face of the franchise. He's a stud. I understand the age. Like, you're making the argument, who would you rather have over the next seven years, Soto or Judge? It's Soto. But certain guys are more valuable to certain organizations. Judge is more valuable to the Yankees because of what he provides off the field and what he provides as far as that blockbuster, headliner, merchandiser, whatever you want to call it. And he's the unquestioned leader of the team. There's no doubt. The team feeds off of him. So in a year where you're 30-plus games over 500, making a trade like that, it's not just about this year. That could send signals of, hey, it's going to look a lot different around here next year. Like, it's an off-season trade to me. I also think with the Soto stuff, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to speculate on. Being able to orchestrate a Juan Soto trade of this magnitude between now and early August is asking a lot for any of these teams. And I've said it. I think it's going to end up with the Cardinals. Now, I don't know if it's going to be early August. I actually think it's going to be in the offseason. I think he's going to end up with the Cardinals. This is the sort of trade the Cardinals make all the time. They get a guy, they have him for two years, he falls in love with the city, ends up staying. I can easily see that with Soto. And makes sense for the Cardinals where they're at in their farm system. Makes sense for the Yankees, but know this. If you are bringing in Soto and then you're going to sign Soto, you're not keeping judge. You can't have both. For, for long term, it's not happening. As much as you may want it to happen, it's not happening. All right, last but not least. JJ, what's up, man? It's Chris and Larchmont. Um, obviously, big series win for the Yankees. goes without saying. I uh, just ha- had a couple points, a couple things I wanted to bring up. Um, number one, Nestor Cortez. Keep talking about, talking about this guy. Oh, he's going to have a fallback to earth. Listen, I know the guy was pushing out of his mind at the beginning of the season. But maybe who we're seeing at a Nestor, this is just who he is. I mean, the guy's 27 years old. He had a 2-9 ERA last year. Obviously, didn't start as many games as he's going to, as he's going to end up starting this year, whether it's like 25, whatever. He's going to end up with at the end of the year. Uh, last year, he started, I think it was like 14, 15, something like that. But this could just be an ascending pitcher and a clear number two starter who's a lefty. And obviously, he's unconventional. He's a little bit undersized. But this might just be... A, a guy who's a consistent number two for us going forward. So I feel really good about it. What a performance by him, a game that we absolutely needed against Baltimore in the rubber match of the series. Number two, and I don't want to belabor this point. I know you've certainly hammered this you know, ad nauseum and many frustrated Yankee fans have, but we got to talk about Joey Gallo. It gets ridiculous each and every time that this guy gets trotted out there. I know the trade deadline's coming up. I understand this guy is not going to be on the postseason roster in all likelihood, but Kind of reminds me of like in, in college, like dating the, the, the lush that you bring to the party. Every time, you know, she goes and she throws up all over the place or just makes an ass of herself, you're going to talk about it the next day with your buddies because it's an embarrassing every single time. That's Joey Gallo every time he comes up to the plate. The guy looks completely lost. It's, it's astonishing he's even a major league hitter. I mean, I know, I know he's a power guy, he's a walk guy, he's fast and he's, he uh, plays decent in the field, but it's just unacceptable he's going out there day in and day out. And I'm just, I'm just so tired of it. And we ha- and we have to, I, I think we have the right to talk about it until Ashman pulls this guy from the lineup, DFA's his ass, trades him something. But it's just, it's frustrating. Even it's issue in games that we're, we're winning six nothing like we did on Sunday. So curious to you about your thoughts on that and, and just kind of that 
if that uh, analogy kind of hits home for you. I love the show. love the work that you do. Love the Jeter recaps. As a guy myself who's mixed race, who is about seven years younger than Jeter, I mean, this whole documentary and all the, the talk around it has just been a dream for me as a, as a diehard Yankees fan. So appreciate the show. Uh, be well, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Chris, tremendous phone call. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, great analogy, by the way, on Gallo. Um, and I like these guys. I think they're very good. Ruka, I, I love. And, and Maven, Maven's got potential. Cam, they're on the broadcast today. And I'm listening to most of the game because I'm out by the pool. It was perfect. I only had one game to worry about. I said, perfect. I'm going to be in the pool. I'm going to roast. I'm going to sit on a float and listen to John and Sue. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But I walk in to go and get like a seltzer out of the fridge because I'm not having any beers today, unfortunately. I had to work, you know. A little cleanse, a little detox. Work that. But I hear Maven talk about like the Yankee moment for Gallo. I'm like, Cam, it's 5 nothing. The Yankees are playing the Orioles. Dude, no. There's no Yankee moment here. I, I like Cam Maven. I do. I think he's going to be a good broadcaster. I really do. I like him. I think he's a smart baseball guy. Terrible take. Terrible, terrible, terrible take. Yankee moment. No, no. There's no no Yankee moment when you're up 5 nothing against the Orioles. And Gallo, listen, I'm, I'm not even going to waste my breath. You guys know how I feel. I mean, it's a matter of when, not if. All right? I'm not even going to go there. You guys... I know you guys are, like, waiting for me to explode one more time. The, the Yankees won. They won easy today. I'm not going to roast Dallas. He's horrible. He's the worst Yankee I've ever seen in my life. But uh, it's a story for a different day. I'm glad you brought up Cortez. Cortez is no fluke. Now, he wasn't going to pitch to a 180 RA. But a start like today is a perfect example of why you can trust Cortez down the line for this Yankee team. He's got balls. The Yankees needed a big start. Glaber screws up that play in the second inning, and he knows how to make pitches. The Yankees needed desperately for somebody to go and give him length. Nestor gave him some unbelievable length today. And it was terrific. 248 RA, 8-3 on the air. I love me some Nestor Cortez. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. We got to get him on the podcast. My sister met him out in L.A. last week. Somebody's got to get Nestor Cortez on the podcast. Can we do that, please, and talk about my mustache that I'm going to grow in October? All right, Larry let me know, by the way. Sent me a text a few days ago that he was going to take it easy on me when it comes to trivia. I don't really believe him. I think he's absolutely full of crap, but we're going to find out. Trivia time, that's up next. All right, Larry, I'm ready. I'm going to try and follow up with a decent performance last week out of yours truly. What do we got? JJ, Larry in Florida, here we go. Juan Soto will have his fifth straight year this year of OBP over 400. Only two players since 61 started their careers with their first five seasons of OBP over 400. Second one is, who's the last Dodger to lead the league in ERA? I'm out. All right, Larry, I'm going to start with your Dodger question. Last Dodger to lead the league in ERA. I'm going to go with Walker Buehler. All right, I have two other guesses. I'm thinking this is going to be short and sweet. Zach Granke. No, I was very, was very confident. Is it the obvious? Is it Clayton Kershaw? Not, wow. Not Kershaw. Not Granke. My goodness. Not Bueller. 
I felt really, really good about those. Last Dodger to lead the league in ERA. Oh, man. Stefan, would you say this is a guy of recent variety? Yeah, very recently. He did this within the last five years. Within the last five years for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. That should narrow things down a little bit, you would think. A little bit. Last five years. I'm like thinking about their title teams. It's not Rich Hill, is it? Mm. All right, so it's not Hill. I mean, I'm like going through all their damn starting pitchers. Within the last five years. I gave you Kershaw. I gave you Granky, even though he wasn't there five years ago. I gave you Rich Hill. Oh, man. Gave you Bueller. Lefty or righty, Stefan? This guy's a lefty. He's a lefty. Okay. It's not Kershaw. Okay. It's not Rich Hill. Who the? This is annoying me. Oh, is it Urias? Julio Urias. <laughs> I mean, jeez. I, 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 I'm actually going to be really annoyed when I don't get this right. I'm taking one more guess and I'm waving the white flag on this because I'm annoyed. I've given you like every Dodger known to man. Kershaw, Urias, Bure, Granky, Rich Hill. My goodness. Stefan, I don't know, and I'm going to be annoyed. So just tell me now. High-end Jin Ryu. Ryu. Damn. Good call. Re- that, I should have known that. 2019. 2019, yep. Jay. You were in you the know, right You, well, you know the right I'm going to tell you why I blanked on that, Stefan. I saw Hung Jin Ryu get absolutely shellacked at Dodger Stadium by the Yankees and Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Didi in those black uniforms. So maybe that's why Hung Jin Ryu slipped my mind. That's maybe the reason why. I should have known that. I should have known that. That's annoying. All right, question two. Hopefully we'll have better success. Five straight years to start off a career with an on-base percentage of 400 or greater. Since I want to say he said 1961, right? That's correct. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, The first one, Stefan. Albert Pujols. Oh, not a good start. Not a good start. Wade Boggs. One down, four to go. Number two. It's just two, Jay. You only got to get two. Oh, I only got to get two. I was thinking it was five guys. All right, so we got one. Boggs is one. On base percentage of 400 or greater, first five years in the league. Is the next one Ichiro? It's not Ichiro because he didn't walk enough. He didn't walk enough. You got to think of somebody who's came in and just taken the league by storm. 1961. I'm like thinking of guys. George Brett. Is this guy, Stefan, a recent player? Not so recent, but a childhood 
he was he was a big guy in your childhood. All right, so within the last Barry Bonds. Not Barry Bonds. Okay. Don Mattingly. Play in the 80s or the 90s, Stefan? Well known in the 90s, man. A monster in the 90s. Monster in the 90s. Okay. Oh, I think I know. Mark McGuire. No, I was I was very confident there. Monster in the 90s. Monster in the 90s. I gave you Bonds. I gave you McGuire. Griffey Jr.? All right, I'm taking one more guess before I get really annoyed. Monster in the 90s. Actually, no. I'm ta- Manny Ramirez. Mm. Oh, my God. AL and NL players. I'm taking one more guess. AL. AL player, on-base percentage, monster in the 90s. Monster. Albert Bell. Oh, man. Who is it? The big hurt, Frank Thomas. I, you know what? I gave out almost every monster in the 90s, and I forgot the big hurt. So, Larry, job well done. Those were not easy. Uh, you might think they're easy. They were not particularly easy. Uh, and I should have known. I don't know what's going to bother me more. The big hurt, a hundred real. We'll have to see on that. All right. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, it is a very light Monday card, but we needed the Mets today, and they delivered for us, so I was very happy about that. What's in store uh, for Monday of baseball? Up, JJ. Jeff Money here to handicap the picks. be for tomorrow, Monday the 25th. We got one game in Major League Baseball I'm going with. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Royals, minus the 110 over the Los Angeles Angels. Again, one play. We're going to go with the Kansas City Royals, minus the 110. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, God bless you. That is a game I would not go anywhere near. Um, I would keep fading the Red Sox. I mean, the Red Sox look like a cooked baseball team. And Cleveland, I watched a lot of this series with um, Chicago this weekend because I'm in an eliminator pool. I don't have a strike yet. I had the White Sox. They were down one in the eighth inning, came back to one. One Sunday going away. Significant to some. Significant to some. And I would be on Cleveland tomorrow if you want a baseball play. The Red Sox and even money at home, they stink. How could you put your money on the Red Sox right now? So I'll be in on the Cleveland Guardians. All right, fun show. We're loaded. You know what's coming up this week. Tuesday, Spotify Live after the Subway Series Game 1. Wednesday, we'll have a New York, New York, a day early to wrap up everything that we saw Tuesday and Wednesday out at City Field. Captain, 3 and 4. Working on something big for the captain this week. Fingers crossed. Something big, big, big. That's coming up on Thursday. We'll have an SGP on FanDuel for the Subway Series on Tuesday. Um, and there's gambling pods like crazy coming up on Ringer Gambling, getting you ready for the NFL season. The work doesn't stop. Stefan doesn't stop. I don't stop. I love you all. Enjoy your week. And I hope to see some of you Tuesday at the Subway Series. Be good, everybody.